0: It's a wide-ranging article, but it spends a fair amount of time discussing Ms. Garner's 10-year relationship, marriage, to Ben Affleck, which, ruined, which ended very publicly and very ugly, which aside is how most divorces end, ugly. It might be why God says, I hate divorce. At any rate, which happens to be one of my favorite phrases, at any rate, Ms. Garner is asked and responds graciously, I might add, of Affleck. He's still the only person who really knows the truth about things. And I'm still the only person who knows some of his truths. (laughs) Later she adds, My heart's a little on the tender side right now, and it's always easier to focus on the ways that you feel hurt. But I know that with time and some perspective, I'll have a clearer sense of where I let the system down, because there's no way I get off in this. And then she ends the interview disavowing responsibility for the tattoo the tattoo that's on the back of Ben's back. It's a phoenix rising out of the ashes. She says, You know what we would say in my hometown? She grew up in West Virginia. You know what we'd say in my hometown about that, the tattoo? Bless his heart. (laughs) A phoenix rising from the ashes. Am I the ashes in this scenario? I take umbrage with a wink. I refuse to be ashes. Does it ever seem like you've been beat so many times you can't possibly recover? Then Revelation, the Revelation to John, might be a book for you. Second question today, have you ever wondered why someone wouldn't be faithful to someone who loves them? Again, the Revelation to John, verse four, chapter one, page ten twenty-eight. First of all, we're going to sell some books this morning. If if you're interested at all, one of the, the the central books that we'll be using, that I will be using, that we on stage will be using as we guide through the book. The Revelation to John is is Revelation by J.K. Beale, okay? Um, There's two versions of this. There's the short version, which is uh, 500 pages. There's the long version, which is 1,000 pages. Unless you're a Greek scholar, which you may be, buy the short version, okay? Not that Amazon needs to sell any books. A second book that's more of a devotional that might be helpful as you go through this is by Eugene Peterson. Okay, Eugene Peterson uh, translated the Bible into the message, okay? If you're familiar with the message. It's called Reversed Thunder, the Revelation of John and the Praying Imagination, okay? Another text. And then one book that's out of print, but you can still find if you want to look for it. Robert Coleman, he was my advisor when I, uh, with my time out at Gordon, and he wrote a book called The Songs of Heaven, okay? In which he articulates a number of songs in the book of Revelation, one of which you just sang. If you're ever wondering where the inspiration for the last song that we just sang came from? It came from the book of, hence the title, Revelation Song. Isn't that cool how that works? Okay, at any rate, enough selling books. Amazon doesn't need any more help. Oh, did you see this? 60 boxes of Girl Scout cookies were sold out of New York, outside of a New Mexico marijuana dispensary. If I was a Girl Scout, that is exactly where I would set up shop. Unfortunately, the Girl Scout said that the location is against Scout rules. Okay, enough of that. That just caught my funny bone. So at any rate, I apologize. I apologize please, if I offended anyone. Verse 4, the revelation to John, chapter 1. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Seven, okay? Seven, it's a big number. Okay? We understand it to be the fourth prime number, but more than that, it's a very special number in the Bible and a number featured heavily in this book. Additionally, you'll see the number four featured in the book of Revelation. It kind of sounds like an episode of Sesame Street, as well as the number 12 and its multiples thereof. Numbers are incredibly important in the book of Revelation. Numbers are also incredibly important on our Wednesday night study as we work through the book of Numbers. But Numbers in Revelation are more than just numbers. Or at least, they're numbers used in a different way. When we use numbers, we typically use it to describe an amount. okay? Which is modifying, providing some description about a given thing. There are four cups of coffee on the table. There is one thing of... Water on my podium, on the lectern. The book of Revelation certainly uses numbers as a numeric description, but it also uses it like we would use the word great or complete or wonderful or perfect or all-encompassing. And so you have to get used to the reality that Revelation uses numbers a couple of different ways. Now, this bears back rooted in the Old Testament. First a bit about the number 7. In the Old Testament, you find the number 7 featured very frequently. You have, in Leviticus chapter 4, sin events that are taken care of by the sprinkling of blood seven times. You have grand events in the Old Testament, festivals that would last seven days. The creation narrative is complete in what? Seven And marching around Jericho, yep, they do it seven times. And so this starts off with John to the seven churches that are in Asia. Now, it's not to suggest that there are only seven churches in Asia, present-day Turkey. It's just to suggest that these are the seven most prominent churches in present-day Turkey, the churches that are significant to this book perhaps significant to John. If we understand him to be on the island of Patmos, perhaps he knew these churches personally, churches that he might have worked in, have taught, have preached his sphere of influence. But more than just seven individual churches, it is also indicative of, well, representing the whole, representing all churches that are in present-day Turkey, representing all churches that are in that time in the Middle East, and the completeness of the church. So that seven, in this case, is both, yes, seven churches, which we'll learn about in a couple weeks in chapters 2 and 3, but also representative of all churches, which we'll find support for when we look at those individual churches. It's kind of cool, actually, because it's kind of like this moment of excitement and discovery and, and this wonderful way in which John really closes out the entire Bible. We'll get back to that in a little bit. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before the throne. Grace and peace to you because John knows that you need God's grace. More specifically, John knew that the first people that would read his letter, this revelation, would need God's grace. Best bet, he's writing in the late 80s, 90s, there's an emperor at the time who is increasingly antagonistic to people of faith and requiring emperor worship, and that if you didn't worship the emperor, you were persecuted, that could eventually lead to death. God knows. People in that situation need God's grace. And as we read this today, we need God's grace. You, you need God's grace. You need God's grace. Please, please listen. You need God's grace. We are not all that we think we are. I came face to face this last week with someone, an acquaintance of mine, who thinks rather highly of themselves, who thinks they're all that. And they think of themselves, highly of themselves, in a sort of gracious, narcissistic way. And as Tanya and I are having the discussion about this individual, who's an acquaintance, I said, well, do you think that I'm narcissistic? And at that very moment, she took a chip loaded with salsa and stuffed it in her mouth and chewed it for what seemed to be longer than she should have chewed it. And I started laughing. I'm like, are you going to answer the question? She's like, well, we're all a little narcissistic. Which is true. We are. Please understand, I look at all of you, and I see a group of people who are wonderful in so many ways. But but please, do not let that lull us into a gooey sense of self-security. You, me, we, I, you need God's grace. Say it with me if you're bold enough. I need God's grace. Peace. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. Peace. Do we welcome the peace that God offers? I know, I know, okay? And I think John knew. The world was against the church in the first century at this time of writing. They no longer have the protection of being viewed as being under Judaism. The temple is gone. Any protection that was afforded is out of the picture. Christianity is standing on its own and getting beat like a drum. Do we welcome the peace that God offers? There's so many reasons to fight, right? Because the world is against us. Although I did ask my son and my daughter, William, this last week, if they have ever been prohibited from praying in school. (laughs) Both of them said no. In fact, Will even said, it's my constitutional right to pray in school. Freedom of speech. (laughs) Ever the debater. One of the enduring messages of Revelation to John that we get to read today is that even in the face of defeat, even in the face of engaging in behavior, which seems like we're on the losing side, that even if you want to say that the world is against faith and the world is against Christianity and the world is against people who follow Jesus Christ, that even if you want to say that, Hope is not lost because one of the enduring messages of the book of Revelation to John is that even in the face of great adversity, the kingdom of God, God's kingdom, is in fact victorious. That even if we follow in the ways of the kingdom of God and in following those ways seem to be losing, it is in fact victorious. It is the great reverse. It's how the things of God are so different than the things of this world. And so maybe, unlike my son and daughter, you have been in a position because of your faith that is less than. Please know. Please know. God wins. Please know, you can have peace even in the face of persecution. Verse 4. Who was and is and is to come there's this connection to the Old Testament that the book of Revelation has. Both Beale and Peterson make the argument that there are 478, 404 verses in the entire book of Revelation. Okay? Beale argues that of those 404, 278 of them have a direct allusion, not a direct quote, but a direct allusion to some Old Testament passage. So 278 out of 404 total verses have a direct allusion to an Old Testament passage that John quotes in part or in form. And if you count all of the inferences and all of the references, Peterson argues that there's over 518 different places in the book of Revelation with 478 verses in which you see the Old Testament. And so clearly, if you are going to understand this book, you better be willing to understand the Old Testament. And in this statement, who was, who is, and who was, and who is to come, we see first starting off this wonderful description of God declaring who he is to Moses, Exodus 3.14, the great I am. The God who is present. It's intriguing, right? Because John argues who is, who was, and is to come. Why reverse the order? Why wouldn't you say it like we just sung it? Who was and is and is to come. Why does John reverse the order? Because it's out of chronological order. Obviously, he wants us to pay attention. God is present, God is present. Never forget that. God exists in the past. Never forget that. God exists in the future. Never forget that. God is eternally existent, beyond the measure of human time. More to this notion of how the Old Testament is repeatedly used in the book of Revelation. If you're going to understand this book, then understand your Old Testament. Which really allows us to state the understanding. That understanding the book of Revelation is understanding the Bible. And I say this more to myself than any other person in the room. But perhaps my life can be helpful to yours. Maybe if I was a better student of this book, I just might be a better follower of Jesus Christ. That makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, if this book is talking about the end, if this book is talking about the realities of of living when John lived, if this book is looking forward to the hope of a new creation, and this book relies heavily on the rest of the book, Wouldn't it be a reasonable implication that if I personally am a better student of this book, that I would be a better follower of Jesus Christ? Who is, who was, and who is to come. Verse 5. And from Jesus, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead. Okay, we know what that means, right? The first individual to experience victory over the power of sin and darkness by his resurrection. Okay, so we're going back in time. Not too many years, but a few years. The firstborn of the dead, ruler of the kings of the earth. Again, here is establishing Jesus Christ as over all, okay? This is the physical kings. This is the physical realities of the world in which we live. This is the kings of the earth. This is the presidents of the earth. This is the prime ministers of the earth. This is the secretaries of state of the earth. These are the governmental entities. And John is arguing Jesus is above all of them. The faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth. Check out Psalm 89.27 if you're looking for the Old Testament allusion there. To him who loves us, and has freed us from our sins by his blood. Intensely personal, the finished work of Jesus Christ on display. Have we experienced this? Have we experienced the love of Jesus Christ? Do we know that Jesus loved us enough to die for us, and that we can experience freedom from the grip of death, from the grip of sin, from Satan's grip, if we are in a relationship with him. The gospel, in all of its beauty, is right here in two, three short phrases. Who Jesus is, what he has done, and the offer that he gives to us to be in right relationship with him. Verse 6, And made us a kingdom. Priest to his God. Okay, now here's where you have to understand again the Old Testament, because the nation of Israel in the Old Testament is promised that they will be a kingdom. They will be priests to God who will intercede. And the goal God has in all of that is for the peoples of the earth to know who God is through the people of God. That the blessing that God has given by revealing Himself in the Old Testament, is a blessing that is to be shared with many others. And here you have John saying, okay, that blessing, okay, that reality, now accrues to people who are in relationship with me. The reality is, you, we, are a kingdom, the kingdom of God. We are priests Now, for some of us, our faith tradition doesn't allow us to think in those terms because we think of priests as in dudes who don't get married. And so we're like, wow, I'm not... But no, you're a priest, a servant of God. And again, this is affirmed not only in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, that God has chosen those who are in His Son, Jesus Christ, to effectively meet the needs of the world around them. You may think, no big deal. But it is a big deal. Imagine that you really enjoy sports and say that you're a Denver Broncos fan or you really enjoy sports and you're a Minnesota Wild fan or you really enjoy sports and you pick your favorite team and your favorite team said to you, we want you to be our emissary. We will pay you six figures a year. We'll give you half a million dollars Unlimited expense account, and all you have to do is travel 30% of the time, moving from place to place, talking about how great the team is. This is your favorite team. This is your favorite product. This is your favorite reality. This is your favorite food, whatever it might be. You're like, yes, that would be the greatest job in the world. That's what it means to be a priest in the kingdom of God, to be a human voice box for the greatest kingdom, the greatest entity that has ever existed, a greatest kingdom, the greatest entity that ever existed that has the answers to who we are and why are we here and what are we supposed to do with our lives? And you, if you are in Christ, me, if I am in Christ, are a priest in that kingdom. Again, you can look to Exodus 19.6 for the Old Testament allusion. The final one here, verse 7. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. The allusion here is our Zechariah 12.10, when basically the nation of Israel is told, you will at some point see the Messiah, Jesus Christ, coming. And you will get to a point where you will realize what you did. And even for those of you that follow Jesus Christ, it will cause a heart-wrenching moment in your life experience. Here we have John taking that exact same passage, generalizing it to the church, with the hope that Jesus Christ is coming. He is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. And then verse 8. It's all Greek to me. I am the Alpha and Omega. So Alpha, Omega, first, last letter of the alphabet in Greek, right? It's a tool that John will use to describe a wide range of things, to describe everything, who God is, the beginning, the availability. It's all here. Who God is. God is everything from the beginning to the end. And again, we have this phrase, who is and who was and who is to come. It's all here in these short few verses of a prologue. Who God is, what God has done for us, who we are, what we are to be. It's all here, pulling these themes that have been pregnant for 60-some books, pregnant with meaning, pregnant with historical context, all fitting together. And the question is, how, how do we respond when we come face-to-face with a holy God? all sorts of different responses. Certainly we can celebrate how special we are that God has chosen us. We can revel in how much God loves us. If you've never done that, it's a good practice to engage in. We can celebrate the fact that we can come before a holy God and be right with him. One of the key things that I don't want to be remiss is that if Jesus Christ is coming back, which John is arguing for, then it would seem to be we should be ready. And one of the key things for us to be ready for is what is in, what exists in our individual lives. This last week, I did a number of stupid things, and not the least of which was hit this mole. You ever do that? I think I've done it here like three times in 10 years. I've had this mole for about 40 years now. You'd think I'd know it's not there. But that wasn't the stupid thing. It bled all over creation. Okay, the second thing was I'm laying by the pool, right? This last week, we're in Florida. We had Disney time, and then we had pool time. And I'm sitting there just getting absolutely cooked by the sun, you know? And you're sitting there kind of reading a book, a magazine, drifting in and out of sleep. And, you know, the little drivelets of sweat just kind of collecting your belly button. Have you ever done that? And then when it gets full, you're like, oh my goodness, I got a shower or something. Okay, so then you, but I forgot to put sunscreen on. And so I have this clear line here that distinguishes non sunburned skin from sunburned skin, and it's a little bit painful to touch. But that even wasn't the stupid thing. No, the stupid thing was that I can't tell you about. (laughs) But weighed heavily. And sometimes I'm just so stupid. And it not it, isn't even, it wasn't even catastrophically stupid. It was just stupid enough. And it weighed heavily on me, and I asked for forgiveness. And it weighed heavily, and I hated myself for the behavior again. I confess the sin. and over the course of a couple of days started feeling like i should feel again when we come face to face with the holy god as john describes we can think about all kinds of stuff we can wonder about the end of the world. We can wonder about the persecution that we might face. But but at the core essence of it, when you come face to face with a holy God, the, the intention of God is for it to be deeply personal and deeply real. And if there's junk in your life, that doesn't belong, then confess it. Ask forgiveness for it. Be made right because of the work of Jesus Christ as described here. And if you're a point in your life where you're wondering, how in the world could anyone love me? Because everyone who's loved me has always walked away from me. Then no. Come face to face with a holy God who says, I love you. You are mine. And irrespective of the challenges that you are going through, I am here for you. This book is for you. My relationship, I extend to you. The book of Revelation isn't designed to be some far away, far off thing, some predictor about who the Antichrist is or what the number of the beast actually looks like or this, that, or any other thing. It's designed to be intensely personal and move us closer to a relationship with a God who loves us and redeems us. And as we have often said at Timberwood Church, the only thing we can offer you is Jesus Christ. And so I invite you to engage with a holy God. Please pray with me. Father, we come to you. Allow us to experience all that you wish us. All that you wish us to experience. All that you wish us to know. Perhaps the thing that we need to do more than anything else is become a better student of your word, the Bible. Perhaps the time that we spend studying are too far and few. Or perhaps, Father, we need to deal with the sin that exists in our life. The stuff that we've hidden away, stuff that we don't let anyone see. Perhaps it's our anger, perhaps it's our selfishness, perhaps it's the place we allow our mind or our fingers to travel. Or perhaps the thing that we need to encounter when we come face-to-face with the Holy God is your grace and your peace. Perhaps we've convinced ourselves that we are unlovable, that we are not worthy, that we are refuse. Begin into our souls and pass those lies, O oh great God. Whatever our need, do business in our hearts today. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.